But once you're creating great content that is answering the questions, that is solving those problems, and you are putting it in front of the right people, that's a great way to start building an audience. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mindset, the strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full-stack life. Yo, he's a blogger, he's a father, he's a podcaster too. When he had his baby, he just had to come through. So he left his job as a professor four years ago. It wasn't easy, but I'm talking about it all on his show. Yo, <laughs> what's up everybody? My name is Sagi. I am a very bad rapper and the host of the show. Today, I have a very special guest. He is a former university professor and the creator of a blog and podcast dedicated to helping people build profitable online blogs of their own. In this interview, we discuss how to build a blog that can eventually build your audience, which will eventually uh, make, make it able for you to sell products to. So we talk about how to start writing content when you don't have any audience to consume that content. We talk about how, what it takes to create a blog as a side hustle. We talk about tips for maintaining healthy relationships while working on side hustles or online businesses as full time. We talk into basically the big question. We talk about the big question like, uh, you know, what should come first? The social community, you know, your community or the blog. So uh, hear all about it and more on this show today. Ladies and gents, allow me to introduce to you Leslie Samuel, founder of becomeablogger.com and the Blogging with Leslie podcast. Let's get mindful and ruthless. What's up, everybody? Sagi here, and this is another Mindful and Ruthless podcast. And today on the show, we have Leslie Samuels. Leslie, what's up, man? Not much. How are you doing, man? Dude, oh, great. I'm actually really happy that we could connect and we can actually shoot this live session, which we hadn't been able to last week because of the Facebook errors. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad we're able to work it out. Thank you, Facebook, for fixing whatever was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is pretty awesome that we can actually, um, you know, like connect through that different parts of the world. We we're like saying last time, we're like, we should be thankful that we can actually do this, you know, that, but um, that's exactly it. I mean, you're, you're, we're on opposite parts of the globe. We're talking to each other in real time. We're streaming to the world on Facebook. I mean, I, this technology is crazy, man. Couldn't be better. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, man. So, um, so today, everybody, just so you know, like Leslie is a former university professor and the creator of Become a Blogger, which is basically a blog dedicated to, um, you know, helping others build blogs and build them as, an, as a profitable online business. Leslie is also the founder of uh, the podcast, which is called, uh, it was called, it was, it was called Learning with Leslie, right? And now it's called like, you know, Blogging with Leslie. And, uh, and that, now the podcast is also teaching people how to build great online businesses, you know, using blogs as a platform and uh, basically generating content based on their passions and their uh, skills and taking it to the next level. That's, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I mean, Leslie, you got quite a story, man. Like, I, I know I don't want to get this whole session around the story because, you know, we can talk a lot about that. But how about you, you just like, in, like briefly kind of like tell us your story of how you even became to be like, you know, from a university professor into like, you know, going into, into this. And basically, I know you got your, your job in the university uh, from your blog. But anyways, we'll yeah so okay so this is what happened in 2008 i was teaching at a high school uh, a boarding academy a high school teaching science and math and i stumbled onto this thing called blogging as a way to make some money online so i started blogging i was making money i was teaching people a little bit about what i was learning and so on and then i decided hey this is going pretty good what if i were to start a blog around something that i'm passionate about now at the time i wanted to be a university professor but didn't have a PhD. So I figured, you know what, I'm gonna start a blog and I'm gonna teach what I would be teaching if I were a university professor. Forget the PhD stuff, I'm gonna just do it. <laughs> um, so I started that biology blog uh, in 2010. In 2011, it landed me a job as a university professor. I did that for three years and I realized that I was going, to, as much as I enjoyed my job, I, I looked at the professors that had been there for like 20 something years and they were still doing the same stuff, running like running around like crazy. Uh, and I didn't like that. My wife and I had our first child and we wanted something different for 
our family and wanted more flexibility and so on. So I left the job and now I'm doing this full time, teaching people how to take whatever it is they're passionate about, uh, start a blog, grow an audience and turn that into a business so that they can have the flexibility that it affords them. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really great. And um, just like, so, so when was that? When was that that you left your uh, full-time, like your job the, in the university to do this full-time? Yeah, I left in 2000. It was it, the end of June, 2014. So it's been about four, a little more than four years now. Nice. The end of June, 2014. I left yeah. my day job at uh, the end of June, 2016. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and how, was, how was that transition for you? Was it a difficult transition? Was it easy? Because for me, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, I have my own story. Like I, um, yeah, I totally, we, I had a, a, a different blog and I had a pretty successful podcast with that blog. And then we just, we couldn't make it work. And I found myself like with um, six months after like just a few months that we wasted all our sponsor money and stuff like that. Within uh, six months with no salary, got into debt and oh. then, Uh, that's when I, that's when I hired a coach from the States, uh, flew him into Israel and, and started rebuilding my brand. And, um, and yeah, so we're talking now because I made it. Like I, I said, once yeah. if I made it, if I make it, then I'm going to build like, you know, a platform like you, like to help others, like do it as well. Um, and build their online brand. So that's what, like, that's why I really connect to your story and I really connect to you living your day job to doing that full time and to everything that you're doing. So, so yeah, so I've like, I have tons of questions to ask you and, And when you, say, when you say you had it rough, what do you mean? What was rough yeah, about that? Dude, so I left my job, like I said, at the end of June. And you know, it wasn't a thing where we left our my, I left my job because my wife had a stable job and she could take care of the finances. We had a, a bunch of uh, savings or anything of that. So it was literally kind of like a, not kind of, it was a leap of faith. We knew <laughs> that in order to really make something happen, we just had to step out there. So I left on June 30th and July 1, rent was due and I didn't have it. Uh, that, that's what I mean by rough. And, and luckily, luckily, I miscalculated when my last, profess, uh, my last uh, paycheck was coming from my uh, professor job. And a few days later, the final paycheck came in and I was like, yes, we can pay our rent. And then I had to get to hustling to try to make some money with my blog. I mean, my, my blog was making money before, um, but because I wasn't able to focus on it, it wasn't as consistent as I would like it to be. So I had to get into hustle mode and just try to do all of the things that I could do to increase the revenue significantly. Um, but it, it was rough for a while. We had our son. And I remember there were days when my wife would come to me and say, hey, we need to buy diapers. And I would say, yeah, I know, but, but we don't have the money to buy them. <laughs> and we had to use cloth. I mean, that's what I mean by rough. Uh, but fortunately, within four months, I was able to match my salary as a professor. And then it kind of went from there. Wow. That's within a few months, you say? Yeah, within four months, like four, four months exactly, I made what I was making as a professor. Dude, so wait, I want to I wanna go back for a second, kind of like, because yeah. there's a lot of people uh, listening or watching this right now that um, do not know what exactly you made money from. There, there's people that, that, you know, I think most of the audience, uh, and I re recently ran a survey uh, with the Mindful and Ruthless audience, and Most of the people actually have their day jobs and they mm -hmm. are just thinking about launching their online brand, a blog or a podcast or something like that. And, you know, so I wonder like when people, when you're saying right now, you know, the, the blog was making money before you quit your day job, what was it making money off of like back then? Yeah. So that's a good question. Here's how I like to explain it. And then I'll use mine as an example. Um, once you have an audience about people, uh, uh, an audience of people that are interested in a specific topic. Uh, you can sell them stuff related to that uh, topic. If they have certain problems and you can help them solve those problems, they are willing to part with their hard-earned cash uh, for that solution. So at the right. time for me, I had my biology blog and I also had my blog where I was teaching people how to do what I was doing with my biology blog. With the biology blog, I had two sources of revenue. Number one, was advertising. Because I did a lot of videos and so on, I had ads in my videos, I had ads on my site. But then I also had a study guide, just a PDF ebook that I created 
for people that were trying were, were um, studying human physiology. Mm -hmm. So I had that study guide and I sold it for $34.95 or something along those lines. Nice. So that was a second that was a second source of revenue for the biology blog. And I had a bunch of biology students, a bunch of biology teachers that were using my blog, and some of them would see that this is for sale, and some of those people would purchase it, and that brought in a decent revenue stream. With my other blog, where I was teaching people how to blog, you know, there are certain products I promote as an affiliate. So when people um, purchase those products, uh, I get a commission. If you want to set up a blog, you have to get hosting. Well, I can refer you to hosting and get an affiliate commission for okay. referring you to hosting. I also had, um, I, well, before, we talked before I left my job. So that was one of the main sources of revenue. I had a membership site at the time as well, and that was uh, bringing in some money where I was teaching people how to blog. So there are a few different things that I was doing at the time before I left my job that were making money. Right, so basically, and you said like, and now I wanna go back even more. So like you said, okay, so once you have an audience that are interested in a specific topic that you're blogging about, you can sell them items. But now the question is this, like a lot of people are asking themselves, well, that's great, but how do I get audience? How do I grow an audience when I don't even have any audience yet? I can build a blog, I can post any, you know, like any blog post, but probably I'll hear crickets because I don't have an audience yet to push that blog post to. That is like the, 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 the most famous question <laughs> when yeah. it comes to, to building an audience, right? How do, you, right? how do you even build this audience so that you can start sending them stuff? Right. And I, the concept is very simple. When you go online, you're going online because you're looking for content. You're looking for a specific kind of content. Maybe you're going to Google and you're searching, um, so in my case with biology, how blood flows through the heart. Something as simple yeah. as that, right? And when you do that search, whether it's on Google or on YouTube, you're hoping to find content that answers your question. We are in the, uh, the business of answering people's questions, providing them solutions, and so on. So for me, what did I do? I started creating um, content that was, how does blood flow through the heart? How does a neuron work? What is an action potential? All of these topics that people were searching for, I started creating content to answer those specific questions. But here's the key. I created great content. Uh, and, I, I, and that's what it's all about, right? If I search for right. how blood flows through the heart and I come and there's this whole long research article that's talking about this gene expression and blah, blah, all this yeah. other crazy stuff, I don't really care about that. That doesn't help me with the problem that I have right now. I just want to know how blood flows through the heart. So right. if you can be the person that is creating quality content that answers that person that you're trying to attract, answers their questions, and so on, then you can start to promote that content. And the good thing about that is, you know, we have social media today. Social yeah. media is a great way to spread the word about what we're doing. But beyond that, if I find your content and I'm a struggling biology student in a physiology class and this thing is helping me to understand the stuff that my professor, he just ain't making no sense because he's speaking this weird language in front of the class, <laughs> guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell my classmates, hey, yo, I found this site and it answers all of these questions. If you can't understand what that professor is saying, don't worry, this site is going to help you. And they're going to start spreading the word. And it's a process that happens organically over time. There are things you can do to accelerate it. But once you're creating great content that is answering the questions, that is solving those problems, and you are putting it in front of the right people, that's a great way to start building an audience. That's an, that's an awesome kind of like way to to frame it and now i want to i want to get deeper on that i want to ask you yeah. like this so so now for instance like you know i and i'm i'm asking you like i've done it right i've, I've um I, I don't know what you know about me but i had like i have uh israel's most popular design blog yep. and i had another international design blog so basically you're in the biology niche and i was like in the uh, you were you were in the biology niche i was in the design yep. niche uh we're both in the niche now to like you know to help other people do it as well but like i want because that's what people ask me all the time like so 
I write what I want to write about or do I write, do I, do I have to do research on Google, you know, to what people are actually searching for? How do you know what to write about? Like, because you're more passionate about writing what you want to write about, but right. But it's it not, it, it's not probably what will get you the traffic to your website. Yeah. So I look at it kind of as a combination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has to do with understanding your audience. Whatever you can do to understand your audience will help you to create the right kind of content. Now, fortunately for me, at the time, you know, at the time I was busy. I was working at a job that was like full time and a half, it seemed. And I was working this business around the job, right? So I didn't have the time to spend and do a ton of research. But what I had going for me was I really knew my audience because I used to teach this content um, when I was at at the university. I was a teacher's assistant focusing on helping students that were struggling in physiology. So I had an insider's perspective as to what they were struggling with. And that's the kind of content I made. I literally just made a list of questions that people had, a list of topics that they want to know about. And I started creating that, that kind of content. Okay. But... In addition to that, I started doing some keyword research. Fortunately, we, with the internet, we have these tools that tell us exactly, or at least pretty close to exact, how many people are searching for these specific keywords on a monthly basis and what the competition is like. You can use even the Google keywords, um, keyword research tool, the yeah. keyword planner, in order to find some basic information about what people are searching. You're entering some keywords and you see all of these suggestions of different keywords that people are going to Google and actively searching for. Well, you can now use that data to, to number one, decide on the kind of content you want to create. Number two, even if you've already decided on the content you want to create, figure out what wording is the best wording to use because more people are searching for that and there, or there's less competition for that. And that can increase the chances that you'll get more of that traffic from the search engines. So I kind of look at it as a, a combination. Some of it, it's intuition because I understand my audience. Some of it is I've done some research to see what the data is actually showing. You combine those two, you have a powerful combination. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I haven't done is do the research. Like, I always yeah. went on the intuition side because, like, I was a designer. I knew what, you know, people around me were looking to, to get, you know. I was, like, uh, studying at a design school, and I was, like, you know, surrounded by a class of students. that I know what they needed. I was, like, just, I'll write it, and it will be okay. But my blog hasn't seen that much of traffic, in, you know, and, and stuff like that. I think it just grew organically because I wrote so many blog posts. But some yeah. of them just caught on. But if I yeah. was to do the research, uh, it would probably be so much better and grow so much faster. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I used to say, I don't need to do any research because I know my audience. And yeah. I did know my audience. But then when I started, uh, I started doing a little bit of research here every so often. And then over time, when I started looking at my analytics, the stuff that was getting me the most traffic was the stuff that I just kind of did some research and I realized, oh, that's an interesting idea. I, I would have never thought of that. <laughs> I remember I, um, there, were, there was a, a, a search that was particularly popular, and that was pictures of the human heart. <laughs> Very simple. So I was like, oh, well, that's simple. Let me go and find a bunch of pictures of the human heart, put it in an article, and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, optimize that article. Yeah. Next thing you know, that was one of the top um, sources of traffic, that one article. People that's would come scary. in because they're searching for these images, <laughs> and then they would see that there are all these other kinds of information about the human heart and about biology and physiology and the stuff that they wanted to learn about. So that, that keyword research stuff, as annoying as it can seem sometimes, um, especially for creative people, it really does pay off. Totally. And can I ask you, how did you get to you know, knowing that people are searching for, like, what exactly did you do in order to get to that specific, like, you know, pictures of the human heart? Because you, you did you write down in Google, like, human heart and see what it autocompletes or... That's, a, that's, exactly, that's exactly it, right? I was creating content about the human heart, um, like how blood flows through the heart, um, how they, the, the, what are the four chambers of the heart. And as I put, I think I literally just put in human heart inside the Google keyword tool, 
And one of the things that I saw over and over was pictures of the human heart, human heart diagram, human heart photos, and all these different things related to these pictures of the human heart. And I was like, well, that's an easy piece of content to create. Uh, So that's how I did it. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's a great tip for everybody now looking to create an article. Just like have an idea, like um, just, and, and Leslie, agree with me if you, or, or uh, tell me if, if you think we can trick this. But um, let's say this. So you have an idea for a blog post because you come from, you want to write about your passion. So you know what you want to write about, right? So then you're like, okay, for instance, I'm a, um, I'm a developer, right? Like I'm a coder. So I want to write about, um, the latest features of CSS because that's pretty cool and everybody's around that. So like I, I could name this article the latest features of CSS with something that's very niche inside the development world yeah. right? whatever and then but before just before you go and write it go to Google and just like search in the Google field just like search for uh, CSS and see what it autocompletes and then search for uh, latest feature of CSS and see what it autocompletes and the autocompletes are basically those suggestions. Those are the things that you should, one, explore and then go to the Google uh, keyword tool and search those as well, right? Oh, that, that, that is one of the, the easiest ways to do keyword research, right? Because you don't, you don't necessarily have to get into all of the data and so on. It can, it can get complicated to do keyword research. And I'm not saying don't do it. Do it, definitely. But something like that is so easy to do that you're going to get some good information that can help you to tweak the titles or tweak the content that you're, you're trying to create to increase your chances of ranking. Now, what that doesn't take into consideration is how much competition there is, which is why keyword research adds a different level of value. But that's a, a very quick and easy way of doing uh, some basic keyword research. There's another, there's another trick that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Um, but it's one that works very, very well. Let's say you already have a blog and you're already getting traffic from the search engines. Chances are you are getting traffic for certain keyword phrases that you didn't even try to rank for. Right. And when you set up your blog in Google search console, which is, you know, related to Google analytics and so on, once you set it up in Google search console, it will give you data about every single keyword you are ranking for, what position you're ranking for in Google, and all of that information. Now, if you go in there and you see that you're ranking number three or four or five for something that you're not really trying to rank for, but because you just maybe mention it in an article, you're getting traffic for it, that's a very strong indication that if you were to create content specifically on that topic, it would be easy for you to jump up to position number one. That's a quick and easy trick that you can apply. Just go in there and see what Google is telling you. Hey, I think you could do a good job at this. Well, <laughs> then you create that, that kind of content and you'd be surprised at how quickly you would rank number one for that piece of content. Yeah, it's, all, it's like Google's giving you clues as to what you can do in order to improve your, you know, your, your blog like in, in like mass percentages. Um, exactly right so so now like okay so people are now like saying okay thank you so much like leslie you you gave us like amazing tips on now how to think about the idea for our blog post now we need to sit down and write it oh my god i mean, <laughs> oh, I mean no. you you said you had a job and you had a wife and a kid and like how did you do it how did you find the time to to do those things okay so this is the answer that some people aren't gonna like right Because what they might be expecting is for me to say, oh, okay, so you see how I just gave you this quick and easy secret for such and such? Okay, here's the the truth, all right? You ready for the truth? The truth is this. It's hard work. I know, I know that that's not (laughs) sexy. It doesn't sound appealing or anything of that sort, but it really is hard work. Um, Yes, there are things that you can do, like, you know, set aside time every morning before the kids wake up, before you go to do this and that, and just commit to writing for 30 minutes a day. And I've done stuff like that, or those kinds of things where you just make it a a part of your daily routine. But when it comes down, when it came down to it, you just got, you got to figure out how you can work it into your schedule the best way that you can. When I started the biology blog, remember, this wasn't my main blog. 
my other blog was my main blog, teaching huh. business and, and blogging and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I knew that I didn't have a ton of time to spend on the biology blog. Um, but here's what I did with my main content from my main blog and the stuff that I was doing over there, literally for a while, if I, weren't, if I wasn't working at my job, I was working on my blog and I was creating content. And then I said, I need to find a way to bring this biology blog into existence without it affecting every other aspect of my, of my life. So what I decided to do for that blog was I said on Sundays, I'm going to spend all day creating as much biology content as is possible. And that was my content for the rest of the week. I'd create three to five pieces of content every single week while I was in growth phase. And it was literally just about sitting down and busting through it. I had my list of titles. This is the content that I'm going to be creating. And then I just start with the first one. Then I go to the second one. I go to the third one and I built it into my routine. That is so important. That's all. That's, that's amazing that you managed to get three blog posts a week with like, and again, like I can really relate to what, everything you did because like back when I had a full-time day job as, um, as a, a director of design of a, of a huge startup, by the way, do you know similar web? Yes, I web? do. Yeah. yeah okay, it compares so, different sites right. on the internet and so on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was the director of design of similar web. So oh, they, cool. Yeah. So they acquired my startup. I was there for two and a half years, started from the first designer, grew to being the director of design. At the end, when I left, that, that was the day job that I left. Like um, when I left yeah. it, I had two design blogs, two podcasts, two newsletters, you know, in each one, like oh. basically. So, and, so, and, and then I know that what you're saying, like, you know, um, and so at one time I had my podcast, the international podcast, where I mm-hmm. interviewed directors of designs from like Airbnb, Facebook, all that. And I was saying, I really want to create a local podcast for my Israeli audience, but how can I do that? I, you know, I like, but you know what? I said, I'll just find time. You know, when you, when you have spare time, that means you can do something with it and create valuable content and help people. So, and that's it. And, and you know, there's one other thing that I did because yeah, you have to find the time, but you got to be smart about it. Right. So with my biology blog, it was primarily video content on that blog. And then there was written content that went along with it. Now, I know that I'm really good at making videos. I can make a video in like no time. So what I did, I knew I needed to do something different. What I did was on, on the Sundays, what I'd be focusing on was creating videos. That was the content that I was creating on Sundays. And if I made three videos, great. If I made five videos, great. That was going to be my content for the week at that time. Then I passed that video on to my virtual assistant who then went through and transcribed it, for, uh, uh, created the article, put it on WordPress, formatted, put images and linking to all that kind of stuff. Those are things, you know, if, especially if you have a full-time job, you don't want to be spending all your time on that if you can afford to get someone to help you out. That's right. exactly what I did. I, I spent a few hours making those videos. I handed it off and I had systems in place to get it from video to article, to publish on the blog, to images, to links, to resources, all of that stuff. Nice. So basically, this is a great tip, by the way. Like, you know, to, so like a lot of people working their full-time day jobs don't know that they can hire a VA and it's so easy. So um, what are your tips on hiring uh, and finding some, some sort of VA? Yeah. So the first thing I would recommend is get very clear on what tasks you need them to do. I knew that my high value task was creating the content in the first place. Um, publishing it in WordPress, finding images, and that anybody can do that. So what I did was I created a list of those tasks, and I literally went through and did those tasks myself. If you knew how to use a computer, I wanted you to be able to go through my guide and create what I need you to create. Post the articles, format the articles, add images, and those kinds of stuff. So I created those detailed manuals and then I went to, uh, you know, one of those job posting sites at that time it was Odesk. Now it's called Upwork, Upwork. but there are a few of them online. Um, I went there, I posted the job and a, a quick trick. What I did was I hired, I told, I told them that if they go through the approval process and I like them, I'm going to bring on three of them on test projects. Uh-huh. And I brought three people on 
to work on three different things that are the same kind of tasks. And I let them know that I'm going to be comparing what they do to the other two people that did it as well. Yeah. And from the three of you, I'm going to grade you based on the speed that you do it, the accuracy with which you do it, the way you communicated with me. I gave them the criteria specifically. And then once they go through that process, I picked the top one out of the three. And then I put that person on a one week trial. Then after that, a one month trial. And then after that one month trial, they were working with me. But every step of the way, I, I invested a lot of time in providing guidance up front so that over the long run, I could just pass it off and then, you know, go about my business and it worked right. very well. That's awesome. I mean, uh, that's something that not a lot of people talk about, you know, finding that VA and hiring that VA um, to help you do those stuff. I mean, uh, we worked with a VA back in my uh, design blog. We, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we got her through Upwork. She was amazing. Like, and, and she did such a great job. So like people, if you're hearing this and you're like, you know, you still have a day job and you want to create a blog, you know, don't start by hiring a VA, but do start by creating content and then creating some kind of framework where you can maybe take exactly. a VA in and VAs don't cost that much. Just, you know, no, they don't. Right. Um, so it's like people like, uh, like the, the VAs in the Philippines, um, they can cost anywhere between uh, $3 to $6 an hour. Like this, like. This is, this is the pricing. I mean, you can, you can find maybe, uh, of course, you can find things which are way above that. But I'm saying like yeah. um, in the Philippines, um, that's how much people make. I mean, uh, it's just, and they know English. It's, it's the people are hardworking people. They're great people uh, to be working with. I had amazing experience with my VA back then. Um, and she was awesome. And we also gave her a raise later on because she, she, she was working so well. And basically, like, you know, we send their gifts sometimes and, so you can totally work with someone like that on a long-term basis um, and, and they will really help you and they will not cost so much, especially if you live in a Western world country making a, you know, some kind of salary, then put some of that salary aside for people helping you spread that content. So later you can make way more money by selling products to that market, right? And, um, and that's exactly what I did. I got someone in the Philippines at the time I was paying something like two fifty an hour. Yeah. Um, and of course it's, it's gone up since then because my VA has been with me for so long and she's absolutely amazing. If I look good online, it's because she's behind me making me look good. <laughs> so it makes like, it makes a huge difference and it doesn't have to be as expensive as expensive as you would think. Right. And, um, and so basically, so you hired a, a VA and she helped you create that content. Um, when you say on a Sunday, was that when you already had a, a, a baby, like a baby in the house or no, like, no. this was pre-baby, pre-baby okay. pre days. This is when I was married, but I, um, was, we were working at, a, at, a, the, the high school. So this was before okay. professor days, before baby days, yeah. newly married. I probably spend, no, not I probably. I spent way more time on my business than I should have, especially in those early days. And then I had to find ways to bring more balance into my life and getting VAs was a part of that process. Right. Because I think one of the most important things is this, like, first of all, people understand if you want to have a successful side project, it does take time. Like you mm -hmm. saying you work Sundays, our like here, our weekends in Israel are Friday, Saturday and not Saturday, Sunday. So I, I used to work on Fridays. And I still work on Fridays, like up, up yeah. until like, you know, the afternoon when I leave my computer, but I work on Fridays, like, and, and you know what, you know, I'm putting in the work now, so later I can enjoy that. But you, when you think about those kind of stuff, you have to put in the hard work. You know, I, I bet you did this too, Leslie. I, I, I woke up earlier, I went to my work, but uh, I, I got an hour earlier. So I set at a coffee, a coffee shop near my work and just blogged. And uh, after work, you know, when I found one hour in the between when I came home, I, I sat down in a coffee place and blogged. And, and those kind of things, those, those are the, like, so people are not really understanding that they have to put in the hard work, but you do people. And it's like on the time where it might be inconvenient, like the, the weekends and you have, you might to have to give up binging, uh, I don't know, like uh, TV shows or going for a trip sometimes. Uh, but it's worth it. Oh, don't, don't take the TV shows away, somebody <laughs> is saying. And what we're saying is absolutely, you have to, you, you know, when I tell people my story, they're like, oh, really? You left your job and in four months you match your salary? I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't, they don't pay as much attention to the, from 2008 
to 2014 and how much crazy work it took to get to that point. Right. And then when I left my job, it was still a crazy amount of work to, to, to get to the point to where, you know, I, I can feel, all right, we're good. We're going to be able to pay our bills and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. It is a hard, I mean, it's a lot of work. Now, today I don't work as much. Um, and, you know, I, I actually, the way I schedule my day now is I'm with my kids until 1 p.m. And then I start work and I work in the afternoon into, uh, into the evening a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I take off Saturdays and Sundays. I don't do yeah. any work on those days. But it, it took so much to get to here. All right. Just wanted to take a short break here. Um, if you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it, right? So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions so if you haven't already be sure to search and join the mindful and ruthless group on facebook i promise you you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs so all right back to the episode yeah man that's amazing I mean, there's a, there's a saying, I think, uh, uh, the money guy, uh, Dave Ramsey, I think he said, or something uh -huh. like that, uh, uh, you should like live like, live like uh, no one else. No one else. So you can later live like no one else or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like exactly that. I mean, like when your friends are out and you have to stay home and work on your blog, be, be like, like not most people, people just don't get it. Like. You're yeah. working on your baby. Do what you need to uh, to create your success in life. What you think is success in life. If you're watching this or listening to this, and your your level, like your criteria or criteria of success is being like Leslie, like being able to work whenever you want and making money online, like passively in a way. Like it's not nothing is passive, but basically making money online yeah. and and being able to take the weekends off and being with your family. Then you need to put in the hard work and you know what, this is totally something that will get you there eventually. Um, so like it's, it's, and it keeps on being hard. It never gets easy, but basically the mindset shifts and, and you're, you can get to a stage where you're, uh, you know, making the right choices and making the choices that you want, like in the way to, you want to live your life. Like Leslie's saying until 1 PM. And, and, <laughs> and there's, there's one more thing I want to mention on that because I think it's very important. For those that are doing this, that are married, they have kids or anything of that sort, um, when I say, you know, I decided to such and such, it's, it's actually my wife and I, right? So I have to be actively um, uh, engaging with my spouse because this is our life. I, right. I, can't I can't decide, I mean, I can, and I've seen a lot of people do this, but for me, it's important for us to make the decisions together. Okay, what are we gonna sacrifice right now? What does that mean for my sacrifice? And what does that mean for your sacrifice? Let's make this decision together so that when it gets really tough, and it will, and it, I, I don't wanna make it seem like it's really easy for me right now and it will be really easy for the, no, no, no. There are gonna be times where it gets extremely tough and you gotta sit down with your spouse and say, hey, where, what, where do we want to get to and what sacrifices are we as a couple willing to make right now in order to make that happen? I think that is so important because the last thing you want is, you know, you decide, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And <laughs> 10 years later, you're, you're by yourself. That's not what we want. Totally. And um, I have one friend who's an entrepreneur. He actually has been in the, here on the show and he actually is divorced and he keeps telling me, Sagi, don't break down the house. Like whatever you do, yeah. like I went on a three week trip recently. He's like, Sagi, be careful, <laughs> be careful, watch yourself. <laughs> like, um, because he, he was an entrepreneur and he went on like, you know, uh, like he went on, um, on like uh, trying to raise money for his startup. So he flew a lot all around the world. One day he came back home and his wife told him like, hey, listen, like, like no need for you here. Like that's it. Like we managed to live without you. That's that's it. Like so, you know that that's the story in short. But basically, it's kind of like 
hey, like we need to watch ourselves. And what you're saying is so totally true. It's like be in sync always with your partner. Um, and yes. that's one of the most important things. And something I actually wanted to touch on because I, uh, I want to say on Sundays, that's where I got to with the Sundays. I'm like, you must have been in sync with your wife. Like yeah. there's no way you could have just t- told your wife, you know, you know, uh, F it. I'm going to write today. So you do whatever you want. Go like, no, it's like, it's a sync process, like where you have to always be in sync with your partner. And it actually wasn't a sync process, right? Like I said, at times it was unhealthy. The amount of times, the amount of time that I was spending on my business, it wasn't unhealthy for me and for our relationship. And, and I had to come to a point where I realized, and that's why I wanted to interject that point. Like, no, I, I, this is not something that I could just decide for myself. This is not something that I'm doing on my own. Yeah, I might be the one on the videos and doing the interviews and that kind of stuff. But in order for this to happen, my wife is out there now with our kids. And she's, so, so this, this is something that we're all in together. And over this summer, I was traveling like crazy. I've never traveled that much from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. And I was hardly home for the period of a few months. Um, and then I was on one trip. I was in Australia this time. And the people there were like, man, are, are you okay? You're not, you don't look the same way that you were looking the last year when you came. And I'm like, man, I just miss my family. Yeah. And, and right then I decided like this, this can't go on. All of the trips that I had for the rest of the year, I just canceled them. Uh, I, I stopped going to conferences and I said, you know what, for a while, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, we need to shift our priorities. And my wife and I had to have that conversation because it's that important to reevaluate what you're doing. I'm flying all over the world by myself and so on. That's not what I want for my life and my family as a married man and a father. So it's, it's this, this constant re-evaluation that we need to do in order to make sure that we, we accomplish our ultimate goal, whatever that is for you. Totally. So I think that's so important. Like uh, it's one of the most important points here, like, like to touch on as entrepreneurs, uh, we need to take care of our relationships. And, and, you know, we, we, I bet we all know that when we have the bad times in our relationships, we're not even productive. We can't even produce great content. Like, you know, it's like we can't give so much value when we're inside, like not feeling uh, right. So that's one thing. Now, the second thing is something I call, uh, like just to add on top of that, something I call the switch. And you touched a bit about that as well, uh, which is like, I call it the switch. It's kind of like a mindfulness thing where mm-hmm. if I'm with my kids or my wife, I try to be with my kids and my wife and be with no phone, like the phone aside or, right? It's like so important to, right? To be there in the moment. Um, that, that, that's such a tricky thing these days, right? Everything right. is literally right here. Everything <laughs> yeah. is right here. And for me, I've had to literally remove social media from my phone because I know personally that if it's on my phone and I'm hanging out with my kids, I'm going to be curious about what's going on there. And I'm going, I'm weak. I know my weaknesses. So yeah. for me, I got to get it off. Right. Yeah, no, totally. So, so smart. By the way, I just heard an interview and I don't remember with who it was. I think it was like Dean Grossi or something like that. Like someone, someone like some famous entrepreneur. Um, and he said uh, he actually gives his uh, VA permission to change his passwords on all his uh, on all his social media accounts, she does it every Monday, and she gives it back to him over the weekend, um, so he can spend time on social media over the weekend. That's such a heck. <laughs> that, now that that's that's some dedication right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's totally great. I mean, I like at this point, I gotta say, like, um, I I can't, I don't feel like I can take social media off my phone. Like, I wish uh-huh. I, I I could, maybe I can, and I I'm just not estimating right. But like, my business is on social media, and that's a point I really want to. I, I wanted to get to you actually in this uh, in this conversation. So I'll just like shift gears here. Yeah. Um, and and going to this, this kind of like developing a community. Great. So you're making great content. You got it all figured out. Now you're saying, okay, wait. So how do I? How do, what's the best way in 2018, 2019 to build a community? What do you think is like blogging and email lists or is it Facebook communities like Facebook groups? 
Okay, so when you're talking about a community, a community is no longer a place where there's one person speaking and a bunch of people listening, right? No, this is not, this is not a church service where somebody's preaching from the top or from the front or a, a classroom where you're in the front and all of your students are there just yeah. absorbing all this knowledge. No, that's not, a, that's not a community. A community happens when people do life together. Yeah. People are on a journey together. That means there are other people taking part in that conversation. Right. Now, I believe that Facebook groups, quite frankly, are one of the best places to establish community in 2018 and 2019 and beyond. Mm -hmm. Because if you set it up right, you have a place now where other people can start a discussion and other people can engage and help each other and so on. I have one Facebook group for the members of my coaching club, and you know, I'm just so excited to go in there this morning and see someone ask a question, and people didn't wait for me to answer it. People were chiming in with their answers and, and yeah. their solutions and their resources and so on, and I was looking at that like, you see, this is, this is really what it's about. Now, I think the blog is important. I think the email list is important. Um, especially if you're building a business. But when you can start using social media now to, get, to, to facilitate conversations between people that are in your community, that is where you're taking it to the next level. So I think it's a great idea to have something like that in your business. I'm not saying everyone has to go out there and start a Facebook group. But if you can find ways to connect other people, whether that's in Facebook groups, whether that's in live events, you know, meetups and so on, you're getting people to come together virtually or physically or on a Zoom call with multiple people, whatever the case might be, uh, the, the, the more you can, you can facilitate interaction between those members of the community, the stronger the community will be. Yeah, totally. I think that's, um, that's an important topic, like saying, because what you said is, a, is an important thing. If you want to build a business, you need to have a blog and an email list. Yes. Like you need that for building a business. In order to build a community around the business, you need a Facebook group, basically. Uh, the, the, the idea is you need a way for people to connect to with each other. Whether yeah. that's a Facebook group yeah. or twi tw uh, Twitter chats or uh, 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 Zoom calls, masterminds, whatever the case may be. You need to go from you just being this disseminator of information to you creating a gathering place where other people can connect. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, so yeah. what other places besides Facebook groups? Because, you know, other, all other places are not really facilitating, you know, like in, in let's say virtual, not, not physical, like in a meetup. Yeah. Yeah, I think Facebook groups are one of the best ways for sure. Um, but I also have, you know, I have a, a, a coaching club with members that are learning how to blog. And we get on Zoom calls twice a month where people can come and have discussions, ask questions. You can get input from other members. Yeah. That's not a huge community like a Facebook group. But yeah. if we have 10 people on there, that's 10 people that are really connecting. If you have 15 people, even if you yeah. have five people on there, that are, those are five people that are connecting at a deeper level than they would have been. I've yeah. seen people do Twitter chats. They're not as, once again, I don't like them as much as I do Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, but that's another way of getting people to engage with each other. Facebook groups for me are the best. I remember when Google Plus did the communities thing and that, I really love that. Unfortunately, Google Plus did not end up being what I was really <laughs> hoping they would have ended up being. Um, but yeah, Facebook groups are really one of the best ways to do that right now. Right. And uh, by the way, I just want to separate between like having a paid program because, uh, yep. you know, and, and between uh, facilitating the, the masses of the people, you know, into some kind of yep. community, just because um, it's kind of different, like it's a different topic to talk about, kind of like what kind of platform do you want to bring together the people that are in your online course or program or mastermind? Um, yep. I also have a mastermind around Zoom and we meet on a, on a weekly basis, which is amazing. But then again, like, you know, uh, nobody in my community hears about these discussions and everybody like chiming in and helping each other. So, um, so I'm like, it's a, yeah, it's a different yeah. level of community. Yeah. 
and 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 people right now building their blogs for the first time in their life you know having a day job and now starting their online brand will not think about the mastermind right away i think so that's why that's why i was asking about like you know so yep. so how does a person start they they start a blog start an email list right and start mm-hmm. making content first before they start the community part or same time what do you think yeah I, I i don't think there's one way to do it right i know people that have gone from the blog to building a community um i know people that have started with a community and then launched a podcast or launched a blog yeah. off of that and then start having products and services and that kind of stuff it's all about what what do you want to focus on if if what you really want to focus on from the beginning is building a community It actually may be a good thing for you to start a Facebook group and use that as the springboard for the other things that you want to do in your business. I have a podcast that I started with two other guys called Three Men and Some Babies, where it's just three <laughs> fathers talking about marriage and nice. parenting and that kind of stuff. And we, we don't have a blog. It's just a podcast. Yeah. And the next step that we've spoken about is just having a Facebook group because we don't want to go through the... The, 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 the effort of set, setting up a blog and creating content for the blog and all that stuff as yet, but we could facilitate a Facebook group where people can come and have discussions. I don't know when we're going to do it, but we, we were looking at, at, and I'm the guy that teaches all about blogging, right? But for the purpose that we have for that of just really focusing on building up that community of men, a Facebook group seemed like the, the, the perfect place to start. So it just yeah. all depends on your specific goals. What do you want to accomplish? Is it you want to really build a community first? Or is it that you want to establish yourself as an expert, as a brand and all that stuff? Yeah. Depending on those factors, you can start in different ways. Totally. And uh, by the way, just to mention, like I started Mindful and Ruthless in this whole community right now. From a Facebook group, I went like yeah. although I launched two blogs and like first like you know blog first uh, kind of mentality um, yep. and later a Facebook group for each one then on this one, I launched uh, strategically Facebook first in order to develop the community part of it, and then I mm-hmm. started doing these lives inside the group right now we 're live on the page um, yep. but it was basically live in the Facebook group exclusively for the people only in the group in order to develop this kind of thing around the group um, so Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about uh, all the time, you know. It's like, how, how involved should my blog be right now when I'm building an online business? Eventually, yeah, I launched, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not, you know, a lot of people, like, if they teach blogging or if they teach podcasting and whatever, they're going to say, this is the best way for you to get started with an online business. <laughs> no, for, for me, that's not what it's about. It's about what, do you, what are you trying to accomplish? I, I had a coaching client. One of my most, no, my most successful coaching client came to me because they found out I was a blogging coach. And my recommendation to her was not to start a blog. She had a <laughs> service-based business and she had a few clients and there were ways for her to start getting more clients. I said, forget about the blog. Let's focus yeah. on your clients. Let's focus on the onboarding process. Let's fo- focus on building a team and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And eventually she built that into such a successful business That she had processes in place to run that and then she started a blog and a podcast and that just skyrocketed her success so it just all depends on the goals that you have for your business totally and I think it's a great uh, point to think about um, and it, it's a great way to kind of like also I know we're like this is the coming to an end of the of the episode but it's like this is a great way to kind of th- give I think we give a lot of things to think about for our audience. And I want to, yeah. I want to just like, um, now ask everybody here listening and watching, what are your questions? What are your open-ended questions and your open-ended kind of like thoughts based on this, um, uh, you know, on this, uh, on this show, like feel free to post them like in the, in the Facebook community of mind from ruthless and Leslie and I will take a look at them and, and totally like, or, or here on the Facebook page, wherever you think, uh, then feel free to just like ask, away because we kind of like we want to hear from you like what's your next step what would you like to learn next now that we kind of like covered how do you begin right and what are your um thoughts about what we just talked about so uh feel free to connect with us leslie where can we connect with you man yeah the best place to check check me out right now is with this free uh training that i put together called from idea to blog 
And they can go to fromidea2blog.com, and that's either the number two or the letters T-O, um, and they can get access to my training there. And that's one of the best ways to connect with cool. me um, right now and get as much value as possible. Awesome. By the way, we have one question from Heather, and Heather is uh, my guest for tomorrow. Tomorrow awesome. we'll have another podcast with Heather. So Heather is asking, like, she said, like, feedback loops are hard for podcasting. Any advice on that outside of Facebook groups? How can you hear from your audience? Oh, that, that's a great question because yeah. uh, the problem that you have with a podcast is that uh, people are listening to it in their cars, they're cleaning the house, and then when they're done, they move on to the next podcast. They're yeah. not at a computer screen. So you have to make it very, you have to give them a compelling reason to come back. How about asking a controversial question or asking a simple question? I need to know from you. Um, uh, what do you think about, what do you prefer, starting a Facebook group or starting a blog? Come on over to the blog at, and give them a specific URL that is easy to remember. If this is episode 300, go to becomeablogger.com slash 300 and you'll get there and answer this. Keep the instructions extremely simple. Answer this one question. Let me know what you think about this one thing and give them a specific place to do that in an easy way. That's one of the best ways that I've known, uh, that I've seen to do that. If you want, you could say, hey, we're doing a giveaway, and you know, when you leave a comment, um, you are automatically entered into this giveaway that we're doing. That's actually a good idea. I should do that. A giveaway that we're doing once a month or something of that sort. The more you comment, the more chances you have of winning, and it's gonna be something. I don't know, whatever it is. That's actually a good idea. I might, I might take myself up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, that's awesome advice, man. Um, yeah, cool. And I, I got to say one more thing, like to add on top of that, like I heard, I heard um, my, uh, well, my coach now, like who, the one I hired when I was like, uh, back then I heard him on a podcast with Johnny Dumas and like he got, he had a book out. So basically he had a book out and he told, uh, he, he told a great story on the podcast and then he said, by the way, I just launched a book. Like, if you are, like, if this book is for you, like, check it out. It's on Amazon. I, like, it, this got me to stop. It was so hard, like, so great that it got me st to stop in the middle of, like, with, I was with my scooter, like, in the middle of the, uh, like, way to work. I just stopped aside. I, I skipped out the scooter. I opened Amazon. Like, I, I purchased the book right away. So that's, like, if, if, some, if some story is strong enough and, if, and the hook, it has a hook, it has some kind of CDA, to it, CTA, like call to action, then yep. uh, totally like valid, it, it will happen. Like you better make sure like th these things will happen. And I paid my coach a lot of money since then. Like that was just like, you know, <laughs> that one podcast got him like so much opportunities on his side as well. So um, I think it's just, uh, it's just great that these things happen. I think podcasting is one of the best ways to uh, reach audience just because it's in your it's in their ears Leslie you're doing it so you know like how, oh, how yeah. amazing that is that people come up to you in conference and they're like Leslie oh my god like you know we heard your latest podcast with that person this person so that, that, yeah. that's exactly it and and along the lines of what you're saying you're saying the more uh, compelling that story can be and the more it appeals to people's emotions uh, man, the, the podcast episodes that I get the most engagement on are like when I talk about you know, my fears. And I talk about how I struggled with those fears. Yeah. And there are certain things that I did that helped me to overcome those fears. And I, I share the story in a way that it is so compelling and so engaging. And then I ask a question like, what would you do in life if you had no fear? <laughs> that is something that they're like, oh man, oh, first <laughs> First of all, he was tugging at my heartstrings with that story. And, <laughs> and now he's asking this question and I'm thinking about it. Man, if I had no fear, I would do this. I would do that. And people would come right back and start talking about what they would do if they had no fear. That's the kind of thing that really drives engagement. So, you know what? I, I got to say, like, do you have a couple more minutes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So listen, like, I want to ask you about podcasting for a second. Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's cool. talk about it. Let's talk about it for just, you know, wrapping up. So just a few podcasting tips. So people starting a podcast. And by the way, this podcast right here is new. Like uh, Mindful and Wilta started in uh, February this year. 
so basically we're um we're just like you know eight months or in or so mm-hmm. um even even less it started in march or something like that so this is a new podcast and i'm always thinking of wait how can i grow this podcast besides of course creating great valuable content is there a way that you would recommend for people starting out a podcast to to you know to get their way out there all right so the first thing i'm gonna tell you this uh, first thing i'm gonna tell you is this i don't care about your podcast yeah if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking about starting a podcast i want you to know that I don't care about it. Okay. And if you want me to care, you have to give me a compelling reason to care. Now, what a lot of people that start podcasts are doing, and I find myself, I've found myself doing the same thing is, I see that, man, there are a lot of people doing these podcasts and they're doing them in a certain way. I like this, I'm gonna do that. But nobody cares. If you do what everybody else is doing, you're not gonna stand out. So the question then becomes, what can you do? This is the question I asked myself when I started my biology blog. What can I do that's slightly different? How can someone, as soon as they start listening to my podcast, know that this is different from every other podcast out there in my niche? And if you can find that thing, that's going to make a huge difference. I know that is not very tactical as, tactical as yet, um, but what I know this is, you know, well, one of the things that I do on my podcast that's way different is when you, when you press play on my podcast, you will feel it. What do I mean by you will feel it? You're going to hear this music come on and you're going to hear this crazy guy saying something like, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Blogging with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. Not, <laughs> oh no, not one blog that will fall by the wayside when Google has a moon swing. <laughs> well, I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. And you know what I've had people say? I can't stand your podcast because you're too energetic. <laughs> and, and when I heard that, I was like, yeah. yes, I'm turning off some people. Uh, yeah. That's the key thing. Because I know that if I'm turning off certain people, I'm also appealing to a different set of people in a much stronger way. Right. And I keep hearing over and over, I listen to your podcast because it is one podcast in this space that makes me smile from beginning to end. Hey, that makes me happy. So think about how you can just add something that's a little unique, come at it from a unique perspective, a unique angle, and that right there is gonna be worth its weight in gold. All right, man, yeah, I mean, it's totally making sense. I I have something in mind, but I am totally like, I'm thinking about it. Like, it's just, it takes time to create that uniqueness, like uh, specifically what I wanna make, but yeah, I think I'll integrate it sometime. But yeah, it's, uh, um, it, it, is, it is totally something that uh, you're totally true. Like you need some kind of differentiation. Um, and Johnny Dumas, by the way, he gets also like the backfire on him being too energetic and like, you know, amped up. Um, and it's great, you know, like, you know, it's, it's amazing when you, can, uh, when you can do that. If you get any haters, it's a good thing because that means you got people that love you. So um, that's, ex- that's exactly it. And, and also do what we're doing right now, right? I'm on your podcast being interviewed. And there's some people that are listening to your podcast that are going to be like, man, this guy. And, and that's the key thing. You go on somebody else's podcast and you just deliver, just the over deliver value. Some of the people on that podcast are going to want to know more about what you're doing. They're going to come over and check out your podcast. Podcasters listen to podcasts. So the more you can get out there and connect with podcasters in your space and you featured on their show and, and, and they featured on your show, whatever the case may be, that helps to grow your podcast. Yeah, totally, man. Totally. So, uh, yeah, we'll sign up with this. This is amazing. Like, thank you so much for, for so much value. Um, and like really it's been great and i think we we gave so many uh so many points to the audience that like i think you gave very practical tips that they can use um alongside with the 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 mindfulness piece and the kind of like you know the 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 relationship piece which is so important like in the high level um Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah thank you very much leslie i appreciate it and and really really appreciate all your tips so you are very much welcome yeah man um and one last final question is All this. Right. So we said we're going to find you from idea to blog.com. And Correct. 
do you have any books, resources, like any YouTube channels or what's your like favorite resources that you recommend to anybody that you talk to? Oh man, favorite resources specifically for starting a blog? No, like for any entrepreneur, online entrepreneur, like what's a great book or a great YouTube show or something like that? that you can recommend? Okay, great book. Number one, deep work. Okay. Because I think that's something that we struggle yeah. with so often. How to actually make sure that the work that we're doing is, is, is having the results that we want to have. Right. Another one that I'd recommend is the E-Myth Revisited. We talk about, you know, getting systems in place and outsourcing and that kind of stuff. That is a great book for helping you to structure your business in a way where these processes are happening. I can recommend a bunch more books because I've been reading them like crazy, but those are the two that come to mind right now. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Like, I actually haven't heard about the E-Myth Revisited, so. Oh, dude, you got to read it. It's amazing. Uh, cool. Cool. I'll read it. I'll, I'll sure do. All right, man. Cool. So thank you so much, Leslie. Really appreciate it, man. And uh, to everybody here, I hope you enjoyed. And yeah, we'll see you on the next episode tomorrow specifically with Heather Parody. Heather, thank you for being here as well and participating. Bye, everybody. Take care, guys. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way and also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has a tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook, where I host this show live and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better, and I love connecting with my audience. All right, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. Keep on, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Once you have an audience about people that are interested in a specific topic, you can sell them stuff related to that topic. If they have certain problems and you can help them solve those problems, they're willing to part with their hard-earned cash for that solution.